Welcome to the Panther Radio Podcast. Our goal is to protect and support musicians and local music scenes together with you. Sign in directly on our Panther app, discover new music, and support the emerging artists you love. Look for Panther without the E in your mobile app store. Here's Lindsay Collum with the band. Yo, what's good, everybody? This your boy, Maserati E, and you're listening to Panther Radio. Hey guys, this is Lindsay, and we are here on Panther. Today, I'm talking to Eric of Maserati E. What's up? How are you? Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. So good. Uh, just for some basic housekeeping, tell us who you are and what you do in the music industry. Oh, so my name is Maserati <laughs> E. Um, I'm a musician, amongst other things, an activist, so I've been called, um, things yeah. like that. Um Fun fact, but not too fun at all. In reality, I'm formerly I'm formerly incarcerated. Um, I served nine years in prison from the ages of 17 to 26. Literally, um, over a third of my life incarcerated. No exaggeration. And um, wow, yeah, I utilized that experience because uh, it was a bunch of things that I learned about myself. I learned about the ways of the world and things of that nature. And I now utilize that experience. Um, using the power of the narrative as well as the influence of music to shift perspectives and play my part Amazing. in shifting perspectives as well as trying to just contribute to progression for our society. Yeah. Where, and where are you from originally? I'm from Oakland, California. Nice. And are you back? You're still there now? No, I'm actually currently in Sacramento. I moved in with my girlfriend not too long ago, about like seven months ago. Oh, nice. Um, tell us what your... exposure to music was like when you were growing up like when you were little do you remember what was like you know playing around your house or what was in the neighborhood Uh, definitely definitely so I was exposed to music um, like (laughs) pre-birth my mom was into music Um, my uncles had a studio my father was into music my great grandfather was into music it's like literally in my genetic makeup Um, but again my mom was a a recording artist and my uncles was the engineer my pops was a producer even had like wow and stuff like that so like it's it's, it's really in my genetic makeup for real, for real. <laughs> What kind of music were they making? Uh, so my mom, she rapped. She she did rap. What? Rap and R&B, yeah. Yeah, she was, Awesome. She was actually pretty dope. I can't even lie. And then my pops, he did like a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Like he still is, is heavily involved in music and stuff. And the same with my uncles. You know what I mean? That was like the first studio um, that I remember going to was at their house and stuff like that. And that's like really like what sparked the flame for wow. me and had me intrigued to it. It's really like watching my uncles and stuff in the stool cooking up. So yeah, it was real well, early. Shit, no doubt. Well, okay. So then were you writing, like, did you start writing poetry and raps when you were a kid or did that come later? Uh, nah, definitely. I started writing like real, real early. I think I wrote my first rap like myself when I was like eight. The first time I recorded, oh, wow. uh, I was eight years old. It was on a song with my mom called Born Bad. And uh, I was hella shy, hella timid. And um, she wrote the <laughs> rap for me. And um, yeah, after that, it was on. I'm like, nope, I'm going to write my own stuff. And, and I did. And I did. And I think I started, if I'm not mistaken, I was like 11 when I started like really getting serious. Like, this is what I want to do. And had like my notebook and all that. You know what I mean? And, and really started like writing raps for real. It was like, I like a lot. Ah, Cool. Do you still have any of those raps when you were younger? Uh, nah, not that I, not that I can find. At least I'm pretty sure mine's probably got them tucked away somewhere. 
But um, I remember, I remember my first one though. <laughs> I definitely remember that one. As in, you remember the words to it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna make it into like a proper song? That'll actually be dope. Might use use that for like a or something because it was recorded. You know what I mean? So we still, yeah. we still got it on tape and everything like that. So. I, I damn near might use that for in a little one of the projects. <laughs> oh, that'd be rad. Um, okay, so I watched the documentary Cue Ball on Netflix. Um, and of course, you're in it. Your song Break the Mold is in it. It was amazing. If people haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Yep. Um, I was really surprised. Like, I, I don't know much about the prison system except for a lot of negative things that I've seen and I've read. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised, at least what they portrayed in the movie. I don't know how true it was, but that San Quentin really was like all about bettering you, preparing you for outside world. You know, I mean, even watching Harry Smith try out for the Golden State Warriors G League team, all that. So cool. So do you feel like your time there was truly like constructive and that they were like properly preparing you for a life outside and that music of course was a big part of that right um i would say i would answer that question with a yes and no uh, I, I would hate yes for people no. to um misconstrue some things at the end of the day prison period is an extremely oppressive environment um it's nothing yeah. cool or productive in my opinion about prison now it was outside organizations and, and people from the outside community that came in that contributed to more progressive and rehabilitative behaviors and, and um, mm. assisting in the development of new belief systems and, and new tools to high stress situations and things like that. But prison itself is very oppressive. Prison is designed to break you. Prison is not okay, period. Yeah. Now we were able to create a safe place within a very toxic environment for sure but I cannot and will not give credit to prison, period. I, I couldn't right. do it because again, that, that was the most oppressive conditions I've ever in, endured in my life, even in San Quentin. In San Quentin, I was yeah. told I'm not a human being, I'm an inmate, like verbatim. That's what one of the CLs, wow. you know what I mean? Like in San Quentin, we had to deal with a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, and again, like it, we were able to create a safe place within a toxic environment, but that's more so laughing to keep from crying. You know what I mean? And, sure. and just um, navigating within that oppressive structure to try to humanize ourselves the best way we could. Um, however, it was a lot of it was a lot of things that contributed to my progression there at 100 percent. It was um, a bunch of people and in various programs I was able to assist um, with with. with Progression, 100%, definitely. Yeah. With multiple programs, like I said, I, I didn't necessarily, I, I wasn't necessarily a participant in a lot of the programs. I was um, usually like a facilitator or a teacher and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I do know other people that were able to obtain a lot from a lot of those programs, you know what I mean? And it contributed tremendously to their growth. So, so how did you get into doing music when you were there? So I was already doing music. I, I, it's a trip, right? Like some people were saying, like I was like a CDC celebrity. CDC is um, the Corrections Department, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. They added the R later on. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I first started um, my journey of incarceration in Juvenile Hall, where I was known for doing music. Then went to CYA. Uh, which is the California Youth Authorities. I think now it's switched to like DJJ, like the Division of Juvenile Justice or something like that, uh, which is pretty much like a prison for youth. They can hold you there until you're like 25. 
And um, that's I was there till I was 18, but I was known for doing music there as well. And then um, literally throughout my whole journey of incarceration, because um, I was I went to several prisons before San Quentin. Um, because it's a it's a okay. security level based thing. So I started off on a higher security level and had to work my way down. And um, got it. Yeah, I was already doing music. I first picked up the guitar in 2012. I was in Old Folsom State Prison, and um, I just got tired of like beating on shit. I got tired of beating on my chest and beating on tables and on the bunk. And I figured if I could beat and rap and sing, and I could play an instrument, so. I just pretty much... Um, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because, I mean, this acoustic rap is definitely something I'd never heard before. And I was like, why Why is no one doing this? I mean, it's fucking amazing, pardon my French. So, okay, that makes total sense. So you were just like, I want to incorporate an inst- a different instrument over your, your lyricism, basically, yeah. your rap. In, in the guitar, Physical. one of the few instruments that was, like, allowed in high-level security prisons. You know what I mean? Like... Um, you gotta really like to see yeah. a keyboard and stuff like that. You gotta be like an OG, like a real old head. Like the OGs was the ones that had keyboards because they was around when that was allowed. Like they discontinued that for whatever reason. And um, guitars was one of the few instruments that was still allowed. So like that's what um, made me like want because I'm like okay, I know I can get one of those in the package books. And before I bought one, I used to um, rent one out at the chapel. The chapel on Old Folsom, if you give them your ID, they'll let you rock with the guitar for like an hour or two. You know what I mean? So oh, okay. that's how I first started playing and started kind of getting the hang of it. And then eventually, um, one of my partners, my partner Pierre, a Haitian dude, he he just got a brand new guitar. So he had his old guitar and he sold me that one for like 50 bucks. And it was like a $250 guitar, but he's wow. serious. So he blessed me one time and um, it, it was, it was cool. history after that. Like I, I literally used to play to my fingers bled. No, exactly. Oh my god! So then, how did you get involved with the San Quentin mixtapes with David Jassy? So when I first got to San Quentin, it was a bunch of people um, there that I already knew. You know what I mean? Like my brother Cuddy, who's also featured in um, Q Ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was already there. My bro Jesse James, he's a well-known. He, he was a well-known artist um, throughout the system and things like that. He's out now as well. He popping. Uh, Jesse James, the Thriller, for sure. He was already there, and it was a, it was a bunch of other people that was already there as well. So when I got there, um, it was like a bunch of people that already knew like what I do. You know what I mean? So word, yeah, was quick, like oh, he up here, like. And then, like, I want to say it was, like, my second day on the yard. Like, I shut that motherfucker down. Like, I did what I do. <laughs> oh, he was yes. off. But Jazzy, oh, he's he's serious. Yeah. So Jazzy, he was already the goat up there. You know what I mean? Like he was already well connected. He had his thing going on um, with the program and everything already. With the uh, at that time it was called the Wild P mixtape, um, and it was just geared towards like the young cats. You know what I mean? And um, he already had that going on. So apparently, hella people was already rocking up on him. Like, man, you need to highlight E, you need to highlight E. And hella people was telling me, like, you need to highlight Jazzy, you need to highlight Jazzy. <laughs> um, yeah. I finally got to meet him. It was it was an event. So San Quentin be having, like, a bunch of events and shit, which is hella cool. Like, that, that's one aspect that's different. Um, you're not going to see that in other prisons and things like that. You know what I mean? Like, the events that they have yeah. and as many programs and resources that they have. Because it's not in, it's not located in, um, de- in a desolate area like how majority of the prisons is. It's like couple minutes from San Francisco, Marin, like it's smack dab in the middle of a bunch of communities. So that's one of the reasons it has so many resources and things. But um, it was an event going on and um, I rock into the chapel with my partner Boo from LA. We rock up in there and Jazzy is going crazy. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> it was a free person with um, with the violin. 
I never forget it with a damn Whoa. and they was jamming but Jazzy was rapping to it and he like that's Jazzy Whoa. I'm like oh shit like <laughs> okay <laughs> as soon as like he get done like literally like as soon as he get done doing his thing before like as he walking back to um, his seat boo go rock up on him like hey man this is my boy Maserati E you need to meet him woo woo so we get to chopping it up and then he put me on the spot like he put me on blast right then and there we in the back of the chapel outside oh, he like bro let me hear something I my, my guitar was like my Siamese twin. I went everywhere with that damn guitar. So yeah. he like, let me hear something. No problem. You know what I mean? So I, I get to you know, yeah. busting a couple things for him. And then he started telling me about, um, he started telling me about like the Wild P mixtape, this, that, and the other. So then that's when I showed him um, Break the Mold. Cause like I was showing him some, yeah. some like more gangster shit. You know what I mean? Cause like that's what people in the yard typically gravitated towards. So like I was giving the people what they want to hear. You know what I mean? But I always have yeah. some deep shit, always had some shit with a message for sure. So when he told me about the Wild P mixtape and how it was geared towards more of like a positive perspective, I showed him Break the Mold. He like, oh no, we got to record this ASAP. He like, nah. And <laughs> we was in the studio literally like, I wouldn't say like the next day or two days later. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and at that time, I didn't even I didn't even have a second verse. I, I initially wrote this song with my pot in the back. And, um, like, and it was like years before I got to San Quentin. I wrote that in like 2015. So uh, after we did that, I had to write another verse right there on the spot. Did that in like 20 minutes <laughs> and then knock that out. Man, man wow. And then did Ear Hustle come after that or was that before that? So Ear Hustle was first, for sure, for sure. So Oh, Ear Hustle was my first. Bro, okay. um, my bro, Antoine Banks-Williams, who is the sound designer uh, slash co-creator of Ear Hustle, um, yeah, he, he, he brought me down there. He had the juice, for sure. And me and him got tight, like, immediately. Like, we, it was, a, it was yeah. crazy that we never met prior to that because we knew a bunch of the same people from various prisons and been to a couple of the same prisons and um, knew a bunch of the same people. You know what I mean? So it was just a trip yeah. that, like, our inner circle was locked in like that, but we've never encountered each other. But, like, we clicked, like, immediately. He like, bro, you got to start coming down here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The media center was, like, a safe haven, like, for real, for real. Like, it was... It was, it was sure. You know, it definitely was a different environment. Like nothing I've ever experienced as far as like prison goes. You know what I mean? It was like, damn. Um, but he started bringing me down there and um, Ear Hustle was my first major platform, like period, point blank. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, he, he, that's that's literally the person that taught me practically everything I know when it comes to sound design, being an audio technician and um, stuff like that. Like he, he was the guru, you know what I'm saying? So like, Wow, um, that's cool. He brought me down there, put me under his wing pretty much, and, and dropped a whole bunch of jewels on me. Like, so serious. He, yeah. I can give a lot of credit to him for, like, bringing me out of my shell. Because, like, I was definitely, like, oh, shell cool. shock, culture shock, and and had serious antisocial tendencies um, prior to that. Because that's what, like, being conditioned to prison to do. And, um... Hmm. It's a lot of it's a lot of free staff and stuff that's in the media center, and I I was always like I said very timid, very shy, super introverted, and things like that. And, and the media center is one of those places that kind of like brought me out of that and like kind of definitely oh, increased cool. my adaptability, if we will, when it came to um, getting acclimated back into society, being able to navigate on a more sociological level, for sure. Sure. That's cool. So, okay, so you, you've been out and you are hooked up with, or you've at least been hooked up with several causes and charities. Are you picking these or are people coming to you? Like, I know you did Aim for the Heart, Fair Sentencing of Youth, Fair Sentencing of Youth, and Plus One Society. I think I read about all three of those. Mm -hmm. 
Like, how are you getting hooked up with these guys? Um, yeah, so they tapping oh. in with me. And for the heart, I got tapped in with um, Layla Steinberg while I still was incarcerated. She she used to ah. come in with a program um, with Lonnie Morris, who was just released. Uh, I want to say that was last week. Lonnie Morris was just released last week after serving 44 years. No exaggeration. Wow. Um, yeah, he was sentenced. He, he did 44 years on a seven of life sentence. No exaggeration, which is nuts. Wow. But um, I met her through him. They had a program called No More Tears. And under the umbrella of No More Tears, um, she had the mic sessions, which is an emotional literacy group um, that they, they tap in with emotional literacy, um, utilizing creative expression. You know what I mean? It was super, super dope class. And um, that's how I met Layla. And it was history after that. We was locked in for life from that moment. And um, that's cool. That's how I got locked in with Aim for the Heart from meeting her on the inside and, and really being inspired and dedicated to like the work that she does for sure. Yeah. And what about, um? oh, go ahead. And then One Plus Society um, and the Represent Justice campaign and all that. Um, I actually got partnered with them through Scott Budnick, um, the, the, the executive producer of the film Just Mercy and the Hangover series and things like that. Um, well known filmmaker. Um, as well as the uh, creator of the ARC, the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. That's my boy. Um, he, he really got it. You know what I mean? He, he really he really, yeah. he really about um, this fight for justice, like for real, for real. And um, I met him while I was incarcerated as well. He came in with uh, with Common. He came in with Common. Oh wow! Yeah, he came in with Common to check out the um, to check out the mixtape, to check out the San Quentin mixtape. Oh, cool. And um, we got locked in from there, but it was my first week. I was literally out like a week and a half. Um, I did a speaking at the state capitol uh, with my boy Adnan Khan, the founder, um, the, the founder and executive director of Restore Justice, um, the nonprofit organization mm -hmm. Restore Justice. They do a bunch of powerful work. Um, he was like one of the creators cool. of um, of uh, SB 1437, which abolished the felony murder rule. Uh, him and Alice Malik. Yeah, they, they're powerful people do, doing powerful work, wow. for real. And um, yeah. yeah, we went there to speak on behalf of Ralph Diaz to be the secretary of CDCR. I met Ralph Diaz while I was incarcerated as well and seeing like he was genuine um, and about the people, you know what I mean? And wanted to shake some shit up in a progressive, positive way. So we went there to go speak on his behalf. And Scott was up there with like 60 people from the ARC. That was up there deep. Wow. And, um, yeah, we, we all did our thing. And from there, me and Scott kind of reconnected. And um, he dropped a couple ideas on me and told me he wanted me to be involved in some stuff. And Scott is definitely a man of his word. And, and that's what he did. Um, <laughs> that, that's how I ended up getting involved with um, like Kristen Ingram over there on One Society. Shout out Kristen. She is a real one as well, doing some powerful work. And um, yeah, cool. we, we got we got some big things on the way for sure. The Represent Justice album, where we'll be working with big. Oh yeah, you're exec producing, right? Absolutely. They, I'm, I'm one, nice. one of the uh, one of the couple executive producers, um, and, and it's dope because it's four of us, I believe, or five of us, and we all formerly incarcerated. It's me, awesome. uh, Richie Rosetta, um, Bobby Gonzalez, and, and David Jazzy is actually one of them as well. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so it's pretty dope. And tell us about um, Shifting Perspectives. So Shifting Perspectives was something that me and Banks, me and Antoine Banks-Williams, we created that while we were still on the inside. Uh, we, we, oh, wow. we We organized and, and developed a school tour while we were on the inside before we got out because we both was reflecting on how, like, I, I, I committed my crime when I was 17. I was a junior in high school, and... He was he became incarcerated um, after committing his stream of crimes like 
right after high school, right after he graduated. So he went from high school straight to prison. Um, I went to prison from high school. So like we really was reflecting deeply in a conversation one time about like the importance of like the development of character and how we kind of become who we are like during those vital years, you know what I mean? And um, yeah. like how guidance is just extremely important. Like if we have people like with the mind frame that we now have in our lives to kind of help with guidance and help develop our character and, and kind of just shift our perspectives, you know what I mean? How things could have possibly been much different. Uh, um, yeah. So we, we, we definitely wanted to target like high schools and colleges, um, but specifically high schools, definitely younger and things like that, too. But it was just something about that conversation when we felt like high school was extremely vital. Yeah. And um, the like characteristical development process. Don't even know if characteristical is a real word. Like, you, <laughs> I, I know what you mean, though. I got it. <laughs> on the real. But yeah, like, you know, <laughs> like developing our character thing like that. So um yeah. Oh, good on you. That's cool. We had we had um we, we had some connections and things like that, like with uh, Chris Mazzola, who's the headmaster over at a, a very, very dope school called DeBranson School in Marin. And um she she locked in with us and, and had like twenty other schools lined up for us to go do our thing at. And um we definitely felt like it'd be powerful like to tell our stories as well as utilize the influence of music. And um, that's what we yeah. did. Like that's what we did. We hit the ground running and, and we started hitting schools up. We was in there. But um we wanted to go under the umbrella of shifting perspectives. And you play as well. You're so you're speaking and then you play some of your music? Yep. Yeah, awesome. we, we, we definitely made sure we had a dope mix. So it's like a motivational speaking slash concert because Banks cool. is an artist as well. Oh my God, he's an amazing artist. He plays all instruments and stuff like that too. A dope ass producer and just, su oh my goodness, super powerful wordsmith. Like uh, super dope. I strongly encourage everybody to go check him out. Nice. And you just put out uh, just me and my guitar. Congrats on that. Um, I have been really enjoying it. So I, I, I want to know what's on deck for you. I know you wrote like hundreds of songs in, while you were incarcerated, right? I think I read that. Yeah. So you have just like tons of songs just ready to rock. Are you going to be releasing a lot more music or are you going to focus just on kind of touring around this album? Or what are you thinking? Um, so I'm, I'm definitely still creating. I can't stop creating for sure. And I did make over 500 songs during my incarceration. Um, wow. It's, it's a trip though. Like, I, I have mixed feelings about the old songs. Like sometimes I'm really feeling them, and then sometimes I'm like, nope, I'm coming new. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm the type of artist where I, I capture my reality. Like I, I, I want to rap what's real, what's really going on in my life. Like music is very cathartic for me. It's very therapeutic. So like that's how I get it out, if we will. You know what I mean? Like that's how I get it yeah. out. So I. I definitely have to create um because i, I yeah. go through a lot been going through a lot um especially post-release since i've been out it's been a lot like a lot that's been going on good and bad um yeah, so yeah. like I, I, i've been processing a lot through the music so it's definitely gonna be new music and stuff on the way for sure um cool. but i'm just very selective extremely selective like what I choose to put out and when I choose to put it out. You know what I mean? Like, I've been sitting on, me and my brother Cuddy, we got a mixtape um, that we've been sitting on for like damn near a year now. No exaggeration. Wow. Because um, we independent. We, we we don't have like yeah. major label connections or anything like that. So that should take time to get your visuals right. Of course it does. Pay for the masters. And, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it yeah. definitely takes time. Like, right now, the only thing that's um, 
kind of holding us back from dropping this tape is is our visuals. You know what I mean? We got to go get a photo shoot done and um, go shoot a couple videos and things like that for promo and all that type of stuff. Um, but once we do that, that will be on the way extremely soon because we are at the final stages nice. of what's needed for that, for sure. Um, cool. I got a solo project. I don't have, it's untitled right now. I don't have a name for it yet. Um, I, I plan to do about like three to five more songs and then I'll probably just uh, make it make sense. You know what I mean? Get the collective of songs yeah. and see what the overall um, theme is or something like yeah, that. Sure. Then put a title on it like that. And then I'm also sitting on another project um, called Resilience. Um, it just need a couple, in my opinion, it just needs some more editorial work, needs some more mixing on it um, for a couple of those tracks. And then I plan on dropping that as well. And then Damn, um, you're busy. Yeah. Another <laughs> collaborative um, project that's supposed to be dropping soon with one of my dogs, Big Up Vibes. That's going to be going down as well. Um, yeah, I got, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of work in the vault. Got a lot of work in the vault. Uh, yeah. And you just, did you just play a gig last week? I did. I, oh my goodness. That thing was so dope. It was fire. It was for my mom's birthday. Where did you play? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. So it was for my mom's birthday. My mom has a fat ass warehouse in Stockton. And um, she had sneak headline, Bay Area legend on uh, everything. I'm from Oakland. So that's like a hometown hero right there. You know what I mean? Keek, Keek the Sneak definitely is an Oakland legend for sure. And um, yeah, she had Keek headline and me and my brothers, we shut it down. We did our thing. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was dope. Oh my God. It did it feel so good to perform in front of people like after this pandemic situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it was a, it was a real dope crowd. It was easily about a couple hundred people in attendance. You know what I mean? So oh, it was a fat crowd. Um, we did our thing. And the stage was like huge with the with all the lights and everything. Like it was all professional setup. You know what I mean? Like it, it was dope. It was super dope. That's so cool. Yo, what's good everybody? This your boy, Maserati E. And you're listening to Panther Radio. To hear more from this artist and many more exclusives, check them out on the Panther app.